Let's open our Bibles to the Gospel of, of John. John chapter 21. It's the final chapter in this Gospel. It is a chapter in which a conversation takes place between Peter and his Savior. And I am interested in that conversation tonight. I'd like to rehearse some of it. And I would like to uh, magnify some of it that we might learn thereby. So let's... Open our Bibles, John chapter number 21, I'll begin reading in verse number 15, but before I read, let's stand to our feet out of reverence for the reading of God's Word, and let us absorb the significance of what's being said. Would we allow the Word of God to capture our attention the way that perhaps Simon Peter had his attention captured? Jesus has died, been buried, and risen. Peter has found himself on a boat and noticed this familiar figure on the shore. And with zeal and enthusiasm, cast himself into the water in which as much speed as his Olympic swimming arms could muster, found himself on the seashore together once again with his Savior. And it is in this context that we read verse number 15. So when they had done, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Assuming that he is referring to this life of fishing. He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thine hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This he spake, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said unto him, Follow me. Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved, following, which also leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, what shall this man do? Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Verse 23. Then went this saying abroad among the brethren that the disciples should not die. Yet Jesus said, un, said not unto him, he shall not die. But if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? This is the disciple which testifieth of these things and wrote these things. And we know that his testimony is true. And there were also many other things which Jesus did. The which, if they should be written, every one, I suppose, that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. Let's pray. 
<clears throat> Father, I, I thank you for the time that we have here tonight, and I pray, Lord, for your help. Lord, there's much that you wanted Peter to do and John to do. Some of those things they had already started. And Father, your desire was for them to continue. And Lord, I pray that you would empty me of myself here tonight. And Lord, that you would use the power of your Holy Spirit to communicate to your people. And Father, I pray that if my vessel is insufficient, I pray that you would make it sufficient. Lord, speak to your people the things that are needed tonight. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> now, please forgive me. I've been struggling with my voice a little bit. And I was telling my wife, I was telling her <clears throat> this afternoon that uh, I'm so glad that my voice hung in there this morning. And I was feeling good about tonight until about 20 seconds ago. And <clears throat> there it is. So, who knows? Maybe you'll get out early tonight. Probably not. Okay. Here we have an amazing part of Scripture, though. A, a part that, that is both powerful and intimate. Where we're able to see the desire for the Lord Jesus Christ to come alongside his disciple individually, Peter, and allow Peter to come alongside him. And as they, they walk on this shoreline, they have this, this conversation it seems to me that this conversation would have great significance and importance for in this conversation we see some powerful and meaningful things said. If I could just by observation draw some of those things out. For example, I, I see this insistence on behalf of the Lord to question the love of Peter. Peter is absolutely right. He knows that Jesus is aware of all things. He knows, Peter knows, that Jesus does not have to ask him to find out if he loves him or not. As Peter responds accurately, Lord, thou knowest all things. But yet there's a reason that Jesus is asking this question. Do you love me do you love me? Do you love me? It's because Jesus is well aware that his days with Peter are waning to a close and soon he will ascend on high and he will not see Peter face to face. And there are some things that Peter needed to know before Jesus' ascension, one of which is to ensure that Peter knows of his love for the Lord. The second thing that I see, I'll not draw a lot of attention to it, but with each of these questions, Peter, lovest thou me, comes a response when Peter says, yes, I love you. And his response is this, if you love me, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, feed my people. We see the emphasis of what the Lord wanted Peter to do. And thank the Lord, by the way, that Peter did that. How we can open our Bibles today and preserve for us is Holy Ghost inspired writing that was that Peter was used to deliver to us glory to God for the obedience of Peter, for the power of the Holy Ghost in Peter's life. If we were to thumb through past uh, John and Luke and find our or find ourselves in the Book of Acts, uh, we would read the message that. 
Peter, this apostle, preached as he was feeding the lost sheep of Israel and how they were gloriously saved by the thousand. Wow, what an incredible thing. I'm thankful. Thankful that Peter listened. There's something else. There's something else that I noticed is that this has got to be one of the last conversations that the Lord has with Peter. It's got to be. So when I come to those last conversation kind of things, whether it was Paul with those at Ephesus in Acts chapter 20 or whether it's the Lord Jesus Christ right here with Peter before he ascends, I put so much weight on that. And I realize that in this statement, Jesus didn't ask Peter to do anything new. He asked Peter to do what he had been asking Peter to do from the very beginning. From the very beginning. From the very beginning, Jesus was teaching Peter to feed his sheep. From the very beginning, Jesus was teaching Peter to love him most. From the beginning, Jesus was teaching Peter to follow him. So if I If I could, if you would give me the privilege to title the message tonight, I would entitle it this way, Continuing the Work. Continuing the Work. And I would like to preach on that subject this evening, Continuing the Work. I realize that we're in a new year with new resolutions, with new technologies, with new ideas, uh, with you know, new aspirations and new visions and new goals and new relationships and new jobs and and all things new. We come to the new year and we make new resolutions and we come across the threshold of, of December into January almost every year with the renewing of our spirit. Uh, we let go of those old that those, those things that have been holding us down in the past and we look towards the dawn of a new day. But there are some things from the past year that we don't need to forget, that we don't need to let go, that we don't need to quit doing, but instead we need to grab them by the barrel load and wheel them into this new year and continue the work. And that was true for every single disciple. Jesus, when he left, from earth and went into heaven. He did not give them a command to do new things. He gave them a command to continue the work. And I just want to encourage us all in this tonight that we are here to continue the work. And with all of our renewed desire to, um, to do new things in our devotional life and new things in our ministry life and, and, and new things in our family and new things in our work and new resolutions physically and, and psychologically and, and all of those new things we're doing. Can I just encourage you in this as well? Let's stick to the old things too. Let's continue in them. Let's not trade some new thing for something old that's been working that God has called us to long ago. And maybe for some of us, we don't need a new thing, but we need a revival of something God has called us to many years ago. I want you to notice this, that if we're going to continue the work, we need to get back to Jesus' first command. You know the very first command that, that Jesus gave to Peter? 
It's in Matthew chapter number four. In verse number 18, the, the, the gospel records it this way. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, here is the very first command that Peter received, follow me. He looked across those waters and saw those fishermen and he declared to them that they should follow him and I will make you fishers of men. There's no mistake now here at the end of this gospel, in the gospel of John, we see this same phrase in verse number 19, the very last two words of it, follow me. When Peter is distracted looking to John, wondering what that man will do, Jesus says, don't worry about that man. And in the end of verse number 22, he says, follow thou me. You see, the Christian life is far more simple than we make it out to be. Yes, there is deep and complicated theology. Yes, sometimes the circumstances of our life can become complex and difficult to discern. Yes, we need his word as a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. We need to bathe every decision in prayer. We ought to be diligent about all of the things that we do for we are commanded in this world to be sober and be vigilant for our adversary as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And yet, Yes, there is some complexity, but there's some simplicity to it too. And if we're going to continue in the work, sometimes we just got to get back to following. Get back to the simplicity of finding out where Jesus' footsteps are and make sure that we are putting our footsteps there. Now, I don't know all of the places that God has designed and desired to take you in this life, but I know this. If you're going to get there, it'll be by following him. It'll be by following him. It'll be by following him. How is it that I met my wife? I was following him. And I just looked beside me and, well, looky there. There's somebody else that's following him too. How is it that I got to Taze Valley Baptist Church uh, about 15 years ago? I'll tell you why. I just happened to be following him. And it brought me straight into the front doors of that place. And how is it that it'll be five years this October that the Lord brought me to Valley View Baptist Church? I'll tell you how. I just happened to be on a journey of stepping my feet into the feet where Jesus trod in front of me. And I'll tell you where it brought me. Right into those doors right there to Valley View Baptist Church. And I have no idea what God's going to do with you, where God's going to take you, how he wants to use you. But I know this, you're going to get there by following him. By following him. You see, that was the message that we needed to begin our journey. Follow me. Follow me. And that is the message we still need to continue our journey. Follow me. So in all of our new things, if we are going to do a continual work, continue in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, if we're going to continue that work, we just need to follow. Follow the leader. You see, if we are going to follow there are some things that are necessary for us to be aware of. The first one is this, that in this desire to continue the work, if we are to first off follow, 
it makes a requirement of this that we must be willing to deny ourselves. Deny ourselves. You know, you can't serve someone else if you're too busy serving yourself. It's an impossibility. It puts you into that, that impossible paradox of contradictions where we say with our lips that we are serving and following Him, but in reality we serve and follow ourselves. We must deny ourselves. Here we have in Matthew chapter number 16, Jesus saith unto His disciples, to which Peter was present, He says, if any man will come after me. You know what He's saying? If any man will, come here, follow me. If you're going to follow me, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. It is impossible to follow Jesus if we do not first deny ourselves. For our greatest enemy spiritually might not be our friends. Perhaps our greatest enemy spiritually might not be your entertainment. It might not be your music. I know that all those things make for good preaching, especially in the teen ministry a bunch of heathens. But no, there is a greater enemy. And that greater enemy, no matter how fast we run, no matter how far we go, no matter how disciplined we become, that greater enemy follows us everywhere. And that greater enemy is ourselves. It is our flesh. And our flesh will follow us everywhere. Our flesh will follow us into every single conversation, into every single decision. Our flesh will, will stir up our emotions and insert itself into every circumstance of life. And since you can't run from your flesh, you better get real good at denying your flesh. Are we okay? All right. You see, if we're going to continue... Let's get back to the simplicity of it. We have to follow him and following him. We need to deny ourselves. There's something else we need to deny though. We need to learn to deny others. Now, I don't want to get confused or get into some controversial statement here. So let me be clear. The, the word of God has called us to serve others. We understand that, right? To serve others. In fact, when questioned about what the greatest commandment is, the Lord Jesus Christ summed it up by saying to love the Lord thy God with all thy might, with all thy heart, with all thy strength. And then the second commandment he said was likened to it, to love thy neighbor as thyself. And you cannot love your neighbor without caring for your neighbor, without serving your neighbor. We are servants one to another as we serve God. But I will say this. Sometimes you need to deny other people. You need to deny other people. Not those that are in need that God has brought you there to be part of. But we always have a number of people that are buying for our time and buying for our attention and pulling us in the direction to, to, to meet the needs that they may have or the priorities that they may have. And some of those people have no good intention for you or for me. And we have to be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. Yes, to display the love of Christ to everyone that we come across. But at the same time, understanding that there is a boundary of division, a place of embarkation where others must go their way because they are not following him and we are committed to the task of following the Lord. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 10 says it this way, my son, if sinners entice thee, or in other words, if sinners say, hey, come this way, 
Follow me if sinners entice thee. Consent thou not. If I could take it just one step further, that sometimes those that, that are pulling you away from the Lord, it's not that they don't love you and it's not that they don't care for you. For even in Luke chapter number 14, the Lord Jesus Christ says, if any man come to me, follow me. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and even his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Now, is that saying that you should hate your mother and wife and children? No. Sorry, Dad, you do not have a right to hate your kids. Even when they won't go to bed. Even when they get whiny. Even when they don't do what you ask. But what it is saying is this. The Lord is saying when it comes to following me, you have to learn to do more than just deny yourself. You've got to be ready to deny everybody else too if there's a contradiction between what I want you to do and what anyone else wants you to do. If we're going to follow him, we deny ourselves, we deny others, and we desire him. We desire him. Verse number 15 so when they had done, Jesus saith unto Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And he said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. Verse number 16, he saith unto him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He says in verse number 17, he saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, Jonas, lovest thou me? Can I ask us, could we just do a little bit of a test and be honest about things this evening? Do we love him? Do we love him? Do we have a, a thirst to be with him? When we've been away with him, do we feel it in our spirit and in our mind? Do we love him? When we've done just the, the slightest little thing that we know that would not be pleasing to the Lord, does it convict our heart? What are you saying? I'm saying, do you love him? Do you care for the things that God cares about? Don't tell me that you love him and hate your brother. This should not be so, for as you love him, you're going to love the people God loves. If you love God, you're going to love the things that God loves. And if you're sitting here saying, well, well there's some, some things in what you're saying, pastor, that aren't consistent in my life, and then this is what may be the case, then maybe we don't love him like we ought to. Oh, we could always love him more. What is the example of our love to him? Well, it's his love for us. For why do we love him? It's because he first loved us. And how did he show his love? For God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He sacrificed for us. He gave for us. Oh, and do we sacrifice? And do we give? And do we love him like that? Oh, if we want to follow him, we need to learn how to deny ourselves. We need to learn how to deny others, but we need to learn how to desire him. 
You know, I love how it says in Romans that the goodness of God can lead a man to repentance. And that's a repentance of love towards a father that he feels he's let down, he feels has been disappointed. I think that the church has gone too long dead and cold and dry and has forgotten how to praise and rejoice in God. For when we praise Him, when we rejoice in Him, when we take pleasure in His presence, oh, it's an expression of love. Yes, Are our hearts not stirred? Yes. Lovest thou me? Come on. Yes. Are we not ready to surrender all? Lovest thou me? Are we bashful when we sing? Lovest thou me? Do we desire His word? Lovest thou me? Look, if we're going to continue the work, God has not called us to continue a work with our hands unless we have first decided to continue a work with our heart. Continuing the work. There's an element of this that that grabs the attention of Peter. It says, Peter... Just follow. Just follow. There's one of the things that, that Jesus did in the life of Peter as he was urging him to continue. He moved his attention not just to following, but secondly, I'll say this, that there is a, an emphasis on focus. On focus. I am pretty sure that if there were psychological analysis and all that in the New Testament, that Peter would have been a prime candidate for ADD. It seems like he was always going from one extreme to the other, one attention to the other. And that is absolutely the case here, uh, right here on the heels of Jesus signifying the death of Peter. If Jesus showed up and signified my death, I would be quite a bit more inquisitive about that. But instead, look at what happens. Verse number 20, then Peter turning about. Turning about, you know, it's, it's this idea, or at least this is the way that I see it in my mind, that they're walking along the shore. That's, that's how I see it in my mind. As we, or we read through this in verse 19, this he spake, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said unto him, follow me. And I, I picture them talking and walking. And then Peter, turn, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved, following. In other words, as I pictured in my mind, Jesus and, and Peter, they're, they're walking and they're talking. And perhaps Jesus has even got his arm around Peter and Peter around Jesus. And here in this intimate conversation, Peter does this. Now look who's following. John. What a jerk. Get away. It's not enough that you're leaning on the Lord's bosom. Like, give me a moment, John. And he starts thinking about John. That's how I know Peter was a Baptist. He was always so focused on everybody else. And then here's what he does. Here's what he does. He says, he says, Lord, verse 20, close the verse. Lord, or I'm sorry, verse number, verse number 20. Then Peter, turning about, seeing the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Verse 21, Peter, seeing him, that is John, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? What shall this man do? And I, I love Jesus' response. If, it, if I will that he tarry till I come, what is it to thee? This is how I know that, that Jesus was 100% man 
If I give him a million dollars, what's that matter to you? That's basically what he's saying. If I let him live until I come. Now, Peter didn't know that Jesus would not have come in the year 2023, but John would be pretty old by now. I mean, check out that beard, right? Jesus said, what does it matter? What does it matter? Get your eyes off that. Quit getting so distracted. And let me tell you, if we are going to continue the work, we have got to stop being so distracted. If we're going to follow him, we've got to focus on him. And that was Peter's problem. And Peter did not just have this problem here, but it seemed to be his problem in many different times. I mean, do we not remember as he's walking on the water? Here he is doing and taking part in this glorious miracle. And what does the Bible tell us about that walk on the water? That he turned and when he saw the wind and the waves boisterous, he began to sink. Why is he turning? He's turning because he's just like you. And he's turning because he's just like me. Is it in the pinnacle of a spiritual moment where the Lord is speaking directly to us? We have a tendency to, yeah, but what about, but what about this? Well, what about that? Look, we got to get our focus on him. Focus on him. And then I'll, then I'll close with this. I'll be done. Thank you for your patience tonight. If we're going to continue the work, we need to get back to the basics of it, to follow him. Deny ourselves, deny others, and delight in him. We have got to focus on him, diving into his word, acknowledging him in all of our ways and not just some of our ways so that then he would direct our paths. And then lastly, I'll say this, that we've got to be a bit fearless got to be a bit fearless. And maybe you didn't see that in this text, but I sure did. Because here we have in, in verse number 18, this description to Peter, and these are spoken words to Peter. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. In other words, hey, Peter, hey, Peter, listen up. You're going to have to go some places you don't want to go. You're going to have to do some things that, quite frankly, Peter, you're not going to want to do. You're going to do some frightful things. You're going to be locked up in chains. You're going to be hunted down. You're going to be persecuted. When the Lord was looking for someone to write to the persecuted church, who did he choose? He reached down and he snatched up this man, Peter, who spent nights in prison with John, running from uh, his persecutors and preaching there in such a contentious city as Jerusalem was. Oh, the Lord knew what, was, what he was doing in Peter's life, but Peter hadn't seen the full fruition of it just yet. And Peter begins writing encouraging words to the persecutors to church because that was the life that Peter was about to live. In verse number 19, we learn this. Uh, above all, this he spake, signifying by what death he should glorify God. I love this because when I read this, I almost have to keep my eyes glued to the page because if I were to be writing it, I would say this. This he spake, signifying by what death he he should die. Doesn't that make sense? Here is the type of death that you will die. But that's not how the Holy Spirit chose to write it. Because the Holy Spirit knew what he was going to do in the life of Peter. He chose to write it this way. This he spake, 
Not signifying by what death he should die, but signifying by what death he should glorify God. When it takes a fearless man to step into the teeth and the jaws of death, spit in the eye of Satan and say, I'm going to glorify God in this. You say, well, that's just exaggerating preaching there, Pastor Jared. Well, maybe you're just not acquainted with how Peter died. He died by crucifixion, but he wouldn't do so in the same way that the Lord Jesus Christ did with a cross that was upright instead. He said, turn it upside down. I'm not worthy to die in the same way that my Savior did. He wasn't trying to get out of it. He was saying that that I can't do it in the same way because I'm not worthy. In other words, this is a man that did not fear his outcome, but instead he embraced it because it brought glory to his Savior. And if we're going to continue the work, there's got to be some fearlessness that we have about this. We can't be afraid to declare the truth of God's word. We can't be afraid to pull out a track from our pocket and say, hey, maybe you need the message that's contained therein. We can't be afraid to talk to our kids about some of the things that you might not be as comfortable speaking about. You think the transgender is and, and the idea and the identity politics that we've seen this last year. Oh, you think that's the worst of it? Oh, no. There's another wave coming. Look, how do you know that? Because evil men and seducers are going to wax worse and worse. You thought this past year was bad? Oh, it's going to get a lot worse than that. And we've got to have the courage and the boldness and the fearlessness to teach this word to our families and to live it every single day. He didn't call us to do new things. He called us to continue the work. Continue the work. And in this moment with Peter, he says, listen, Peter, I'm about to be gone soon. But before I go, this is what you need to know. Just follow. Just follow. Just follow my footsteps. They'll lead you where you need to go. They will sustain you. They will take you to the place where I'm going to use you. Just follow. And he smacks Peter on the cheek. Listen, Peter. <laughs> Some of you actually looked up. That was great. <laughs> Listen, Peter. He says, focus. Focus. Don't worry about what anybody else is doing. Don't worry about those waves because they're going to crash down again. Don't worry about that wind. It's going to blow again. Don't worry about the success of John. And I haven't told you about Paul yet, but when he comes, you're going to have a little confrontation. Don't worry about him. You just keep on going. Focus. Focus. I can just imagine him saying, Peter, I love you, but it's going to be tough. You're going to have to go some places that you're not really going to want to go. There's going to be some things happen that you're not really going to want to happen. I'm going to need you to set aside your fear and just put all your faith in me. Because where I got, I will provide. And Peter, I know you won't be able to see me, but you'll be able to sense me. I'm not going to leave you or forsake you. I'm going to be there. And one day you're going to see me again face to face. But between now and then, don't let fear rule the day. Don't let your concern for what might happen ruin the day. You just follow. You just stay focused and just be fearless. 
And I know this didn't happen, but in the imagination of my mind, I can't help it. I can see Jesus kind of stepping away from this conversation. Peter thinks it's all over. And, 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 and Jesus turns around and says, hey, and Peter, one more thing. And Peter looks over. Yes, Lord. I'm coming back. Okay? I'm coming back. So just continue the work. 